0: and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Father, I pray this morning that You will help us to hear and heed Your Word. Lord, meet with us. Draw us near to You. Lord, draw near to us as we look into Your Word. May it find fertile soil in our heart. And may You... Lord, complete within us that which you've begun. May it be for your glory and your honor. Amen. So, you recall uh, uh, the outline that I had given you last week uh, was pray, love, host, and serve. And you'll see this natural outline here in the text. Pray, love, host, and serve. Just by way of a quick recap, we talked about um, going through uh, the section here in prayer where Peter is calling us. He says, look, the end of all things is, is at hand. Therefore, be serious, watchful in your prayers. We talked about that word serious. It meant sober. It meant not to be swept away. Not to be carried about by your emotion or your passion. And man, if there's ever been a time and day in which we live to get kind of amped up and emotional and passionate and just sort of lose sight of things, it's now. He said to be watchful. And we talked about how that was to be a watchful pursuit of holiness. It's interesting, in the Greek text here, the way these words are put together in that language, it's sort of like in our English when we would say something, for example, like, I'm sick and tired. When you, you know what that phrase means. We say, I'm sick and tired. You know, it's this idea that I'm beat, man. I'm done. I'm, I'm wiped out. And here when Peter is saying this, he's saying, look, be serious and watchful. Have this attitude. Have this, this mindset on eternity. In this section here, you'll, you'll note that there's this, this vertical relationship mentioned and there's this Horizontal relationship mentioned. I Think of the words of Christ when he said, he summed up the law and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Guys, as followers of Christ, if you and I want to know how we're to live in the end, in these end days, in this time, prior to the Lord's return, that's what Peter's trying to encourage us to do. Keep your eyes on eternity. We're pilgrims. The Lord's return is imminent. How much more closer are we today than when this was recorded? Now again, I want you to go back and just think with me for a second. Peter's the one writing this. Think about the things that Peter had heard and seen. He was there when Jesus talked about, when they said, hey, give us us the signs of the end, and you can go into Matthew and look at this. And and he talks about uh, eventually the coming and destruction of Jerusalem. He talks about the times of the Gentiles in which, that that again, that this would be turned over into the times of Gentiles. We're living in such a time now. The Gentile power is that which is in control. But that's coming to an end. Think about Peter's mindset again because when this is written, this is probably around AD 63-64. We believe that uh, Jerusalem fell in around AD 70 and so you know that the climate is amped up. Nero is on the throne. He is literally persecuting Christians. He's dispersing them throughout. They're scattering all abroad out of fear of persecution. Many are suffering. He's he's taking Christians and he's lighting his garden so he can see out across his garden at night by torching humans. And this is the climate that Peter's living in. And yet, here's his instructions to those fellow believers. I believe, again, because the Lord obviously did not return in that time. He's not yet returned. Yet all things are waiting. And at some point in some time, only the Father knows, but when that appointed time comes, the Son will return. In the meantime, we need to prepare ourselves. We need to be ready. And so, again, when you think about what was going on in the days of Peter, and yet he's writing this, he's telling us, He's telling his fellow believers of that day these letters are being circulated, and he's saying, Hey, here's how you should live. I'm looking forward to Dr. Carver's class on authority. Think about when Peter writes this in one section of scripture, he says, honor the king. You realize Nero's the one who's eventually going to have Peter's life, he and his wife history would tell us that Peter was crucified. Upside down. Because he felt unworthy to be crucified in the same manner that his Savior was crucified. It's believed he watched his wife die. Behold, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers So we talked about and encouraged us, guys, as far as of Christ, if there's ever been a time for fervent prayer, we need, church, to begin to return to fervent prayer. We need to renew this relationship. That's where it starts. If you're here today and you do not have a relationship with the Creator God, then I invite you today, look to His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Christ. The good news is that God was not willing that man should perish. He was willing that all would come to repentance. He therefore provided through His grace a means, a way. God reached down to mankind to demonstrate His love. And so when we look to the life of Christ, when we look to the person of Christ, we see in Him the full embodiment of God, God incarnate, fully human, fully God. And because of our sin that separates us from God, we needed a Savior. Jesus Christ is that Savior. And so by faith today, if you've not turned to Him, I would encourage you today, turn to Him. If you've never done that, if you've never by faith received the gift that He offers, He shed His blood for you. His desire is that you would not suffer eternity, but instead you would receive His eternal forgiveness through the graces provided at the cross of Calvary. We need to renew this relationship. And the way we do that is through repentance and faith. Turn from your sin. Turn from your sin. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Here's the problem, guys. Let me ask you a question. Will everyone be saved? No. No. See, the problem is most are happy and content with their life of sin. People are not willing to repent, turn from that lifestyle. They love their sin more than the desire to love their Savior because even though Christ came into His own, His own received Him not because man loves darkness rather than light. And unless the glorious light of the gospel should penetrate your minds, which, by the way, is blinded by the liturgy God of this world. You want to know why people are perishing? You want to know why people are living like the devil? Because they're blinded by the devil. And unless the glorious light of the gospel should penetrate their heart, they will not see, they will not repent, they will not believe. And you know who possesses the gospel spreader? You and me. God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save mankind. God has chosen you, church, to be the ones who carry the gospel. You want to change the culture around you? You want to change the climate? You want to change what's going on in this world? I'll tell you how. It's by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ one soul at a time. God is long-suffering. He's long-suffering. Guys, look at your life. Look at my life. I'm glad God didn't squish me out because He would have been just in doing it. But instead, He gives us mercy. He gives us grace. How much more should we? And so we need to pray. We need to begin to seek God through prayer as believers. We need to be serious and watchful. We talked about praying faithfully and working tirelessly. And so I'm not going to, again, the end of the day, maintain self-control. When you want to lose it in this world today, and trust me, there's a lot of times I want to go Kyle or Karen on somebody. No offense to any Kyle or Karen in the room. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, you got to keep saying, maintain some self-control. That's all I'm saying. We need to pray. So this is where we're going to pick up. We kind of touched on this last time. uh, But I want to kind of pick up from here and move forward. Peter's not only telling us that we should pray, but we should also love. And again, uh, the key verse that uh, we're reminded of, oh let me, let me say this verse because this was, this was an important point. The idea here, this word, uh, fervent, because again, you know, we're, we're to if you look at the text, and if you would look there with me again real quick, um, he says um, in verse eight, and above all things, have fervent love for one another the the idea of that word fervent was to be stretched out okay i i kind of joked you know today is our super bowl outreach all right big day here at community baptist church i hope you plan on coming out and i hope you will invite some folks and come on out and join us this evening it's kind of strange i just got to say somebody made the comment the other day kind of strange pastor we've had great weather for for the past four years for our Super Bowl, you know, flag football game, the last time we had cold rain was when Pastor Mark Stuglmire was here. NBC, by the way. Yeah, MVP reminds us that every time. What he doesn't remind you is that he got the MVP after Pastor went down in the first quarter. <laughs> you know. But anyways, I'm not bitter. <laughs> But it's kind of interesting that, you know, hey, bad weather, good weather, good weather, good weather. Now, Mark's back in town. We got bad weather again. I think I'm going to listen to the Lord probably not play today. I mean, (laughs) you know, because last time I tore the ACL was just not a good day. The Panthers lost. I mean, Cam Newton didn't dive on the ball. Anyway, I won't go down that road again. Man. But Anyways. It was funny because we were telling this story, and I was talking about it and, I, and I mentioned to somebody, I says, you know, I remember that day very well because we're out there, we're getting, I mean, it's 36 degrees, there's water this deep on the grass, and we're out here in the town of LaGrange, and so we get out there, and of course, you know, I'm no young spring chicken here, and I look over, and that, there's Tiago Bentoncourt. Now, y'all know Tiago, I mean, he, you know, this is Adonis, you know, walking out here, all, you know, and he's just, he's doing these weird stretches and jumping, and he's stretching up and up, down, and he's just, and I'm thinking, what is, what is this young athlete doing? <laughs> You know, <laughs> I should have listened to Tiago. <laughs> I should have stretched out. That's actually what's here in this word, guys. It is an athletic term, and it does. It means to stretch out. It means to get ready. It means to, uh, to, to stretch your muscles, to stretch yourself beyond where you might normally be able to go. Think about that in the context of what Peter's saying. Love requires that we stretch ourselves for one another. You say, You telling me, preacher? You're my pastor. (laughs) Um, Yes, (laughs) please. Stretch, don't bend, don't break, right? Um, That's kind of the rule. But we need to sometimes think biblically Were you very lovable when Christ found you? I don't know about your story, but I know I wasn't. In fact, I was quite the opposite. In fact, Scripture says I was his enemy. Did you know you were an enemy of God? You see, our sin separated us. Our friendship with the world is enmity with God. And yet, God demonstrated. His love, while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You want to see love? Look to the cross. You don't think God loves you? Look to the cross. God loves you with an everlasting love. Who are we as fellow sinners not to love fellow sinners? When a holy God is willing to demonstrate His love while we're His enemies, He's still willing to love us. Church, this is vital. This is vital to, to the unity and community. This is vital to the growth of the church in the world today. This world needs to see love in action. Now, love doesn't compromise truth. It's important that, again, that you and I have a biblical understanding of what love is. I love Jeremy. He told me this. He says, you know, coined this phrase. I don't know if he coined it, but he told me this one a while back. You know, it's, it's we need biblical grace, not greasy grace. You know, slip right on into heaven. You know, Jesus loves me, but I'm going to stay in my sin. That's not, that's not biblical grace. That's not biblical understanding. That's not, that's not true biblical love. You see, when the holy God of all creation grips your heart and He convicts you of your sin, when you recognize who you are in the eyes of a holy God, it should crumble us. In our heart, it should cause us to be convicted to the core, to understand and agree with God when He says about you and me, there is none righteous, no, not one. It should be so convicting that it causes us to only have one response and one one response only God, forgive me. I am a sinner. I am sorry. Please forgive me. A genuine, not remorse, a genuine repentance. You know the difference, right? A remorse oftentimes is simply, hey, I, maybe I got caught and, and so therefore I'm sorry and I shed a few tears. It's an emotional moment, but it doesn't affect me to the point of new direction. You see, repentance and faith in the finished work of Christ at Calvary says this, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. If your life and my life is not marked with a newness of life, if it's not marked with a new heart and a new desire, we need to ask, what love have we received? Is it the love of the world that still compels me? Or is it the love of Christ? So Peter is reminding in these end times, in these last days, as we await the imminent return of our Lord and our Savior as believers, we need to stretch out. We sometimes need to stretch ourselves in loving one another. He said that having this fervent love one for another for love will cover a multitude of sins love will cover a multitude of sins you know love doesn't keep a record of wrongdoing does it we're willing to overlook I'm willing to forgive my brother seven times seventy and again this should be our heart attitude we're fallen. we're human we mess up we blow it we offend each other we let each other down we disappoint you That's not an excuse to just kind of continue doing those things. But we must be willing. Now again, God is willing to offer His Son, but not everyone will come and receive. And so just because you're willing to extend the grace and the love, don't expect others to simply receive it, to respond to it. That's not on you. That's not your responsibility. It's not my responsibility. It's not... My call, my decision. That rests with God and that person. That's between them. And so my responsibility? Sow the seed of the gospel. Water the seed of the gospel. It's God who's going to bring the increase. Right? Anybody, you know, here farming farmer, go, I told Josh I'm not going to steal his thunder because he's got a, a men's uh, devotional coming up. But I'll just say this for my farmers out there. You're responsible, right? Getting that ground tilled. You might put a seed in. You can do some watering, right? But it's amazing. You have really nothing to do with the growth. You definitely don't control the rain and the climate and everything else that comes into whether or not that's going to be a good crop, right? Now, you do everything you can. I, I think it was Spurgeon who said, you know, you, you work as, as if everything depends on you, but knowing, again, that it all depends on God. And I, It's kind of a misquote, but it's the, the gist of it. Do your part. We just learned this in Philippians. Remember the passage? God has worked in. That which He has worked in, you work out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So one of the things we're called to work out, one thing we're called to work on, is our love for one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Man, they, they ought to know community in this community because of our fervent love for each other, for each other. Hugely important. And we should seek to put that love in action to our neighbors. And the most loving thing you and I can do for this neighborhood is tell them about Jesus Christ. Look, this is great today. I love you know, having fun and, and, and kind of building this up you know, our, our outreach, our Super Bowl outreach. But guys, don't lose sight. That's simply a platform for the gospel. The whole point of what we're doing today is for the gospel. Is that unbelievers might come and hear the good news and their life be forever changed. That they be plucked from darkness into light. That they go from death to life. That's the whole point of this today. So church, the end of all things is at hand. Pray! Pray today. I want you to go home today. Before you leave here today, I want you to fervently pray for the preaching of God's Word. That it will go out unhindered. That there will be no no distractions. That it will be received. That those that are listening, that we will have actually people here who are not believers. That will hear the Gospel and will respond by God's grace that today might be their day of salvation. That's our responsibility. God says, pray fervently. So would you do that today? I know many of you are and how already have, but will you today at some point take a moment, pray. Pray for this man. He's going to be bringing the Word of God. Pray for Jeremy Sam's. Lift him up today as he preaches and teaches. Pray for those, Pastor Dean, myself, Pastor Mark, those that might be there who need to provide some counseling at the end. That will share the truth of God's Word in clarity. This is important. Again, I'll be the first out here to have some fun. We're going to have a lot of fun. But don't lose sight of the point and purpose. But if you don't do your part and bring people, we're failing in our mission. You go out in the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. Now, don't stand in the highway. That'll probably look like a nutcase. Hey, we're out. come on to church. Now, I'm not saying do that. It's probably not real smart. But you have a responsibility. Compel him to come in. Those in the circle of Christ had no doubt of his love. Those in our circles should have no doubt about ours. Isn't that a great quote? I mean, I don't normally quote quote Max Mercado, uh, though I did like his Hermie videos. Um, That's a good quote. Let that sink in for a second. Those in the circle of Christ, they had no doubt of His love. In our circles, do they know that about you? Do they know that about me? They should. Peter says love. By the way, if y'all hear me, and I because I remember I used to sit out there and I hear a preacher, and he said, he said Paul, <laughs> he meant Peter. I will probably mix that up many times, just like I do my own kids' names. Right, Kara? I mean, right? Um, anyway, yes, yeah, what I said. <laughs> we do that household. The worst me and Allison are talking about last night is when we call him Levi. That's our dog's name. <laughs> 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 That's really bad. But it happens, I'm just saying. So, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Notice this quote from David Jeremiah. I like this one as well. It says, God is love. 1 John 4, 8, 16, you can write that down, look it up later. God is love and God is sovereign. Acts 4, 24. Those biblical truths must define our response to every circumstance in life. I mean, you want an anchor? You want something to guide you? You want a compass? You think about these two truths. God is love and God is in full control. I mean, does that not relieve every bit of anxiety you might have? So let me get this straight, preacher. God loves me, and He's God, and He's in control of all things. Yes. God loves me, and He's in control of all things. God loves me. What am I worried about? Exactly. What are we worried about? But just like Peter, we get out there on the water, man, we're making some good time, and all of a sudden, hey, this is a storm going on. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I'm ah! That's normal. Some of you ain't quite as dramatic, though, Mark, I've seen. You know, anyway. We get that way though, don't we? We get a little anxiety going, we get a little stress going. I mean, it's understandable. But why? It's because we take our eyes off of Christ, we forget God is love, we forget God is sovereign, and we look at the storm around us. Guys, this storm's going to get a lot worse. I can promise you. OK, Pastor's making a promise. Write it down. This world is going to get a lot worse. You ain't seen nothing yet. Hold my root beer. I mean, I'm just saying. It's going to get bad. It's going to get real bad. Hey, where are you going to have your eyes? On, on the every little wind blowing in the political climate? Because I'm going to tell you what, church, we've had our eyes on that one for a long time. Let's just kind of test that wind where it's blowing. Oh man, uh, uh, the the failing dollar. It's gonna, it's going We're doing good right now, but one day all this money. said, so my grandkids got. We're gonna keep our eyes on 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 the financial. I don't know what it is that we're we're, we're taking our eyes off of Christ for, guys. I'm saying this. We all need to hear this. God is loving. God is sovereign. And these are two biblical truths that must define every circumstance in our life when we respond to it the end of all things is at hand therefore therefore remember these things pray love in verse 9 host we're to host so let's take this check this out if you would verse 9 he says be hospitable be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Hospitality, is, it should be a marking of us as, as believers in Christ. The idea of being hospitable here, it means to use hospitality. It means to be generous to guests. Uh, Hold your spot there, and if you would, let's go over there. I want you to look at this, over in 3 John. And again, this is a, a letter that's gone out, and there's um, you know, some missionaries coming through the area. And so we find this here in, in 3 John. And I want to read this passage to you. Notice what it says. 3 John 1.5 Beloved, believer, Christian, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers. You do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for the strangers. And now, specifically here in this context, this is guy, Gaius, he's being written to, right? John's writing to Gaius whom he loves in the truth, and he says this about him. He says, look, it's been born witness of your love before the church. He had a reputation, Gaius had a reputation of being generous to those missionaries. He had a reputation of one who who showed hospitality to those who were sojourners carrying the gospel to the world. And so Peter is reminding us, again, in a day when Christians are being lit on fire. That we're to be faithful in our work. We're to love our neighbors. We're to honor the king. I mean, these are things that Peter said, right? Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And he tells us, love, we're to pray, we're to love, and we're to host. We're to be hospitable. Now, many of you, I know my wife and I have had the recent joy of of, of experiencing some great hospitality. And I I can tell you, this is probably one of the things that that we miss the most, obviously, during the COVID quarantines and shutdowns. It it makes it a little more difficult to sometimes get together in those intimate settings that we've enjoyed so much in the times past. Can I encourage you guys, be safe about it, but do it. Still do it. Still get together. Love one another. Courage one another. Be hospitable to one another. Hospitality isn't about your house, it's about your heart. How's our heart today? Remember, guys, it's not about your house, it's about your heart. Help us be hospitable as the end is near. One of the other things, it says that we should do this without grumbling. Church, how's your grumble meter? Do you know that as the end draws near, we're going to continue to get a little cranky? It's going to be a little heat getting turned up, right? Right? We need to be on guard. We need to guard our hearts that we're not grumbling about one another. This is what Peter is wanting these believers to know. He says, look guys, you need to be praying for one another. You need to be loving one another. You need to be hosting one another. And you don't need to be grumbling about each other. These little secret debates of displeasure. That's straight from the pit of hell. And if any of you are caught up in it, you need to send it back where it belongs. It's terrible. It's divisive. Stop it. Quote Bob Newhart. Stop it. Two words. You might want to get a pen and write this down. Stop it. Right? We need to stop with the grumbling. Put our eyes back on Christ. Get back to praying fervently. Get back to loving fervently. Get back to showing hospitality to one another. Again, God's had us here. This isn't anything new. We were in Philippians 2 14 and 15. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. And we remember we said "It, it, it should be you must shine as lights in the world. There's enough of the complaining and the grumbling going on in the world around us, in the crooked and perverse generation around us. That should not be something that marks us. That's a worldly philosophy. That's a worldly practice. That's not a marking of a follower of Christ. Now, look, I'll be the first to admit I can get pretty critical. I probably could take first prize in the complaining race but then I see passages like this and the Spirit of God has us in moments like this and I have to say, Lord, help me. Search me. Try me. Consume all my darkness. Because I don't want to be that guy. You know? If I'm going to be a seven dwarf, I don't want to be grumpy. I want to be happy. You can be sneezy. I ain't going to tell you who's dopey. Anyway, we'll stop there. And last, we need to serve. Notice what it says here, Peter, in closing in this section. He says in verse 10 and 11, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. Did you know you've received a gift? Of course you have. If you're a believer, Christ is your gift. But did you know that as a believer in Jesus Christ, He's given you a spiritual gift? as each one has received a gift minister it to one another the point of your gift is to be used to serve one another that's part of your giftedness to edify and build up the body of christ to reach the loss as good stewards of the manifold grace of god you received you give that's pretty easy principle to to live by right you received did you do anything to earn God's salvation? Did you work for God's salvation? No, it was a gift. And by faith, you received it. You did nothing to earn it. You can do nothing to keep it. God gave it. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace. So, you know how you and I should offer our gifts to the body of Christ? Freely, unconditionally, generously. You receive, you give. That grace, He says you're to be good stewards of it. That word steward, we don't use it a lot in English today, but you know, it's to, to be a manager. Did you know that you and I are simply managers? Nothing, nothing that you think you own, you don't own it. Newsflash. Your children are not yours. Your job is not yours. Your business is not yours. Your house is not yours. Your car is not yours. Nothing you think that you've deceived yourself into believing, you own, you don't own it. God owns it all. It's all His. One day, it's going to be right back, well, where it's never left, still in His hands. Because here's the news flash if God wants to take it back now, you ain't stopping Him. I'm not stopping Him. So we need to understand this truth. This is, again, God is love, God is sovereign. I can trust Him, but He gives me a trust. He says, I'm entrusting you to manage it. And Those who are found faithful in little things, He will entrust more things. But if I can't manage the things that I have, do you honestly think I'm going to get entrusted with more? Uh Uh-uh. And so we must recognize that through God's grace, we are equipped to manage. And by the way, again, that's all it is, God's grace. So be thankful for what we have in our managerial sphere. But recognize it belongs to Him. So, therefore, honor Him with it. Be good stewards of that manifold grace of God. Be responsible in it. Right? This is what Peter's wanting us to know. So, if He's giving you a spiritual gift to serve and you're not going to use that gift, you know, use it or lose it. You may go dormant. You may find yourself lacking the joy of the Lord. You know how you, you won't lose your salvation, guys, but you know you can lose the joy of the Lord. And a lot of times when you lose the joy of the Lord, it's either through sin, sometimes it's a lack of service. You're not exercising that gift. I mean, you know, it's no different when I sit on the couch and eat Cheetos all day and drink soda, and all of a sudden I'm wondering why I'm 100 pounds heavier and I'm not exercising and I don't really feel like exercising and I just lost all my joy. And now i got a I got an A&E special or, or a TLC special with me and my, you know, 100,000-pound sister. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not trying to be ugly, mm-hmm. but I am trying to make a point. And the point is this, guys, look, you've been given a gift. We need to exercise it. We need to use it. We don't need to just sit idle on the the couch, if you will, the Jesus couch, and not put it into exercise and not working. Whoa! I'm going to soak in that sermon. No, got a new Bible studied or not. I like it. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm being ugly now. Forgive me. All right. So here we see two kinds of gifts. You see two kinds of gifts here in this passage of Scripture. You see speaking gifts and you see serving gifts. Notice again, look closely at the text. You see, Peter saying, uh, verse 11, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. Well, that's a sobering piece of instruction. Guys, I realize as a pastor teacher that whenever I'm offering spiritual food to you, Okay, yeah, I throw in a few little, you know, cotton candy there. That's probably just going to make you sick if that's all you chew on. But in its proper place, later for dessert, it's all right. But the main meal, what's the main meal? And And look, the main meal needs to be that when I open this Word of God, that I am pointing you to the very truth of God. That as I am rightly dividing, that I'm doing just that. That I rightly divide the Word of Truth. So that when God does return, I don't stand ashamed in that day. But you have a responsibility of hearing and receiving that. But my instructions, is, 1 Peter, when I speak, I need to speak as the oracles of God. I need to recognize this isn't, thus saith Jeremy. I need to be standing firm on the authority of Scripture and saying, thus saith the Lord. Amen. And if I'm saying what God has said, I'm simply a mailman making a delivery. If you want to get upset for the amount of the bill, you take it up with him. That's not my problem. You don't like what I say? Or oh, I disagree with you, pastor? I disagree with you. You don't you're not disagreeing with me if it's biblical truth. You're disagreeing with God. Now, we can reason together and we need to use the authority to determine if we have a differing here, then let's go to the Word of God and find out because iron does sharpen iron when we're relying on the truth of God. But if you're going to come to me with a differing opinion because of a philosophical view or because of an experiential view or, or, or because of an emotional view, you can stay home. But if you want to come to me as a brother and a sister in Christ and say, Pastor, you know, you were teaching this the other day, and you know, I'm not sure. I think my understanding here. Can can we look at this text together? Help me understand this. This says, I, I, I think it's, you know, this is what it means. Well, okay, that's an interpretation. Let's look at this closely. And we study it and we pray. And the author who knows what it means, because it doesn't matter what you think it means, it doesn't matter what I think it means. The question is, what did the author intend for it to mean? Because that's the meaning. I, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this out loud. I'm sick of that meme that's going around that says the one person standing over there and the one person standing over here and they're looking on the ground and, and well, it's a six. No, it's a nine. Dude, it's a six. Dude, it's a nine. Please realize, until you're in their shoes, you don't see it the way they see it. (laughs) (laughs) Time out. When that number fell off the wall, it was either a six or it was a nine. Now, we might not know, but if we go to the author and say, Hey, Mr. Number Guy, when you put that on the wall, was that a six or a nine? Now, I would say, he might say, uh, actually, it's the 19, the one still up there. <laughs> oh, sorry, brother. <laughs> oh, man, I feel like an idiot. Sorry, brother. But we got the truth confirmed from the author. Do you follow me, guys? I cannot say this enough. We live in a world in the end days here where everything is going to pull at your mind to confuse you. You're going to get fake news all day long, but I promise you there's not a single bit of fake news in this book. And if anything, what Peter's calling us to do is to understand this. By renewing this relationship, the only way I'm going to know this relationship is by knowing who He is through His Word. It's not going to come through my emotional feelings. It's not going to come through uh, whether or not I had this experience. Uh, that's not where truth is found. It's not found in the traditions. Well, we've always done it this way. It's found in the authority of God's Word. And the sooner that you and I can make that our foundation for everything, it has a way of uniting us or dividing us. But let God be true and every man a liar. There's a speaking gift, and there's a serving gift. Notice it says, if anyone ministers. So if anyone speaks, teachers, we need to teach the Word of God. Period. Right? We can share our opinions, but we need to... This is my opinion. Word of God. That's our final authority. That's our final authority. When we're ministering, minister, notice what he says here. When it comes to min- if anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. <laughs> Check this out. Jim George said this. Do y'all know, you all know Elizabeth George? This is Jim. He said, start where you are. Do anything you can do and do everything you can do until you find something you must do. Something's probably your spiritual gift. Here's what I'm saying, guys. You don't know your spiritual gift, you need to pray. Go to, go to uh, Romans 12, go to 1 Corinthians 12. All right, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. Study the list of gifts there. Ask God to make known what is your spiritual gift so that you can use it. That's, again, nice quote. Might disagree with it. End of the day, though, the Word of God is going to have you solid. You're praying, you're asking, you're seeking. But notice that phrase. This is what got me excited. Look at that. It's God who supplies. It's God who supplies. Well, I just don't know, preacher, if I can do this. It's God who supplies. Preacher, I ain't a lot lot, lot I can do. I mean, I just ain't, you know, I don't know the Bible. I can't teach the Bible. Hey, it's God who supplies. Your gift might be a ministering gift with your hands, right? Right? don't mean you're a teacher. In fact, he says, hey, don't let many of you be teachers. You, that's, stricter, that's stricter judgment. That's stricter condemnation, I mean, you know, in the, in the sense of uh, maybe loss of reward. But know this for whoever you are. God's given you a gift, and it's God who supplies. And His grace is sufficient. This is, again, a step of faith. It's a trusting God to provide you what you need to do what He called you to do. And if He called you to do it, He will supply the grace you need to do it. You know what the result will be? Right here in the text. Keep reading. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Here's the result, guys. You want to know what the result, church, will be for Community Baptists? If we begin to pray and pray fervently? If we begin to love and love fervently? If we begin to host and show hospitality, church? if we begin to serve using our our speaking gifts and our serving gifts, again, in the joy of the Lord, God will be glorified. God will be glorified. This is what we were created to do. He created us to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. J.I. Packer said, our high and privileged calling is to do the will of God in the power of God for the glory of God. Junior, I'm going to skip over that next. If you would, please. And as that happens, I want to read this to you. Think about this. Our response Our calling. This is from the Valley of Vision. I put part of this quote up this week on my uh, Facebook page, but I want to read you the full context. It's It's called, God the Source of All Good. God the Source of All Good. O Lord God, who inhabitest eternity, the heavens declare thy glory, the earth thy riches, The universe is thy temple. Thy presence fills immensity. Yet thou hast of thy pleasure created life and communicated happiness. Thou hast made me what I am and given me what I have. In thee I live and move and have my being. Thy providence has set the bounds of my habitation and wisely administers all my affairs. I thank Thee for Thy riches to me in Jesus, for the unclouded revelation of Him in Thy Word, where I behold His person, character, grace, glory, humiliation, sufferings, death, and resurrection. Give me to feel a need of His continual Saviorhood and cry with Job, I'm vile, with Peter I perish, with the publican be merciful to me, a sinner? Subdue in me the love of sin. Let me know the need of renovation as well as of forgiveness. In order to serve and enjoy thee forever, I come to thee in all the all-prevailing name of Jesus with nothing of my own to plead. No works. No worthiness. No promises. I'm often straying, often knowingly opposing thy authority, often abusing thy goodness. Much of my guilt arises from my religious privileges, my low estimation of them, my failure to use them to my advantage. But I'm not careless of thy favor or regardless of Thy glory, impress me deeply with a sense of Thy omnipresence, that Thou art about my path, my ways, my lying down, my end. Conclusion. Church. Let's not lose sight of the end. It's all for God's glory. The great I am. Do you know Him today? If you don't know Him today, I beg of you, in this moment, God has drawn you here today to hear this truth. God's desire is that you would turn from your sin and turn to Him. And He says, if anyone should call upon the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. Would you in this closing moment just cry out to the Lord from right where you are in the depths of, of depths of your soul, recognizing that you and I are sinners and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And He makes you a promise through His Word. He said, if the Father draws you, you can't come to Him unless the Father draws, unless the Spirit draws. But if the Spirit is drawing you today, you hear His voice pulling at your heart to respond in faith and surrender your life to Christ. He says, if anyone comes to me, I will in no way cast them out. I won't turn you away. Come to Him in this closing prayer. No excuses. The end of all things is at hand. Surrender your life to Christ today. And Christian, let's keep an eternal perspective. Especially in these darkened days. Keep an eternal perspective. Let's pray, let's love, let's host, and serve for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father. I thank You for Your Word, Your truth. And I pray that in this closing moment, Lord, that You will search the hearts of every listener and that You will do what only You can do. The Bible says that salvation belongs to the Lord. And so, Lord, You know the heart of every listener watching online, watching on TV, here today in the audience. Lord, meet with them right where they are doesn't matter the sins they've done. They don't need to clean up. They just need to come to the cross. That's what the cross is about. Getting what you don't deserve. You get grace, mercy, love, forgiveness. And in exchange, you surrender your life of sin, guilt, shame. Christ bore that in your place. He took that penalty upon Himself. He paid the way for you. And if you're willing to repent and believe in Him today, He promises you He will meet you and give you eternal life. Receive the life that Christ offers. He says in His Word, to as many as receive Him, to them He gives the right to become children of God. That is our prayer for you today. Have that conversation with God. Have that full surrender of your life to God today. And follow Him. Follow Him. Christian, may we keep our eyes on eternity. May we recognize that we're in yet a small season, but a season that's been gifted to us. May we give... Our gifts to those around us. May we pray for one another. May we be watchful and sober. May we love and and may we speak and serve uh, through uh, the gifts that He's given us. May we be hosts. All for the glory of God. And Lord, we will thank You for who You are and what You're doing. In Jesus Christ's name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Um, real quick, before you dismiss, uh, we have some folks who are going to be joining us uh, today uh, to join membership. I'm going to ask if you are, uh, have gone through the New Members class and you are wanting to join today, been baptized, uh, I would like for you to come stand across the front here. If you would, Stugelmeyer family and Destiny. If you'll just line up this way and look to the audience. Just put that anywhere. We got a janitor. (laughs) That's good. All right. Um, So here's what I like to do, church. Normally I don't do this this way, but uh, hey, we got a new associate pastor. I figured we better, you know, mix it up a little. Um, Here's what I'm going to do I'm going to read the covenant of our church. As members, this is what you agreed to when you joined this church. And I think it's good that we remind ourselves of what you committed to. So, I'm going to read a paragraph, and as we get to the end of that paragraph, I'm going to ask those up front if you agree with that, say, I do. And I'm going to ask you and the congregation who've already agreed to it, but renew your vows and say, I do. So, here's the predicate of our church covenant. Having received the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, relying wholly upon His finished work for salvation, upon a profession of personal faith in Christ Jesus, and having been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, say we'll say Amen, Amen. You agree with that? Anybody out there agree with that? All right, let's continue on. We do. This is the covenant in general. We do now in the presence of God, the angels, in this assembly. Most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with one another that we will walk together in newness of life with brotherly love to His glory as our common Lord. We therefore in His strength particularly engage. Amen? Amen. Amen. His assembly, that we will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together and at such times and places as the church may appoint for instruction, prayer, business, or evangelizing that we will strive to promote the prosperity and spirituality of the church and to sustain its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrine. And that when we remove from this place, we will as soon as possible unite with some other church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's Word. Amen? Mutual care, that we will exercise a mutual care as members one of another to promote the growth of the whole body in Christian knowledge, holiness and comfort in all the will of God, that we will remember each other in prayer, that we will aid each other in sickness and distress, that we will frequently exhort and, if occasion require, admonish one another, according to Matthew eighteen fifteen to 17 in the spirit of meekness, considering ourselves, lest we also be tempted. Amen. Amen. Contributions that we will cheerfully and according to our ability regularly contribute of our means for the relief of the poor, for the expense of the church, for the maintenance of a faithful gospel ministry among us, and for the spread of the gospel throughout all the world. Amen? Amen. Alone and at home. That we will not omit private and family devotions, nor allow ourselves to permit the too common neglect of the great duty of training our children and others under our care in the nurture and admonition of the Lord with a view to the service of Christ and the enjoyment of heaven. Amen? Amen. And before the world, that we will walk circumspectly before the world, that we will refrain from such of its games, amusements and fashions as are foes to spiritual mindedness, that we will be temperate in all things and cautious, especially being on our guard against the abuse and use of intoxicants and other harmful drugs or substances, that we will be just in our dealings, faithful in our engagements, and exemplary in our deportment, that we will avoid all tattling, backbiting, and excessive anger in order that we may win souls, remembering that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen? And so an invocation, and the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant make us perfect in every good work to do His will, working in us that which is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Amen? All in favor of a uh, having Destiny Vaughn join us as a member of Community Baptist Church, please do so by a hearty Amen. amen. Any oppose? Good, because I was going to ask you to leave. All right. <laughs> and the Stugelmeyers. All in favor of the Stugelmeyers joining us as members of Community Baptist Church, please do so by saying Amen. amen. Anybody oppose? I didn't think so. All right. Praise God. Welcome our new members. Church, you're dismissed. As they head out, please greet them. Make sure uh, you're back this evening. Three o'clock, football time. Welcome our new members. Have a blessed day. <laughs> <laughs> woo yeah. Bless you, Daniel. Thank you.